The recent news has given Robin ideas for silly name generators and interviews John Todd about men finding trust and vulnerability in talking about the last thing they want to talk about. It's memes and men today on The Lutzkade. Hi, I'm Robin Renee, and you are listening to The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. Hi, I'm Mary McGinley. And I'm Wendy Sheridan, and it is the 27th of March today, uh, which is also Manatee Appreciation Day, and I really dig those little sea cows. They're really, (laughs) they're adorable. Um, And I think they recently got taken off the endangered list. I think their, their population is high enough now. That is super good news. cool. And it's also National Joe Day. So if you're not named Joe, you can call yourself Joe. You can have coffee, a cup of Joe. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Or just celebrate someone named Joe because it's National Joe Day. I have no idea why. (laughs) You know what? Yesterday was St. Joseph's Day. Okay. It's the day after St. Patrick's Day. Well, but this is, we're at the end of March now. Oh, okay. (laughs) That doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Uh, And on the 28th, it's Weed Appreciation Day, and it's not what you're thinking. No, that's (laughs) in April. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it's not 420. Weed Appreciation Day is the day to appreciate all of the plants that are growing where you don't want them to, because that's what weeds are. And they have, you know what, there are a lot of weeds that are actually nutritional and have purpose. I feel bad for them that they get a bad rap. <laughs> so you should learn about them. They're, they have, could be good food. Yes. Yeah, dandelion greens are good. That's right. <laughs> I, I just saw a thing on my feed this morning about how to cook hostas. <laughs> so I didn't even know those were edible. So that's cool. <laughs> I don't know what they taste like. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, on the 1st of April is April Fool's Day. And I, That's my I, day. Is it? Yep. <laughs> I don't appreciate pranks being pulled on me. I really don't. So I'm sure that means that someone's going to do that to me on April 1st. Um, and April is also Jazz Appreciation Month, Mathematics Awareness Month, and Naporimo Month. Which What's that mean? Naporimo is... is National Poetry Writing Month, which okay. I ah. hope to I hope to do this year. It's been a couple of years since I've done it. I've written a poem every day in April, and I think it's a good it's a good practice. Is that because April is the cruelest month? I think it might be a Shakespearean in origin why why it was chosen. Yes. Oh, <laughs> but, that's um, not Shakespeare. I think. Oh, that's, that's not Shakespeare. Wait, Wait, Cummings or maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. No. I see. I assume. I assume you're you're uh, quoting Shakespeare when you. I usually am, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was quoting my brother. Uh-huh. My brother liked to quote that poem. But now, um, now I have spring can really hang you up the most stuck in my head, <laughs> which is a but, jazz song about April. 
There you go. Okay, we're just like all of. <laughs> I know we are. We have consciousness. <laughs> oh God, that is a T.S. Eliot quote. I should have known that. I don't know why I was misthinking. Misthinking. Um, <laughs> anyway, that's um, your new nickname, misthinking. Uh, no. <laughs> Ms. <laughs> Ms. Thinking. Mix. Mix. mix thinking. thinking. I don't know. <laughs> Forget it. Not. <laughs> not. This is not. not a thing. Okay. But uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to doing some writing and getting back into my poetry. So and and I'm looking forward to you uh, reading some of your poetry on the show. Mm. Yes, I'll do that. Yeah, that sounds good. And I think there's some birthdays going on. Yeah. There's birthdays. The the thirty seventh is my um, Mariah Carey's birthday. Thirty seventh. I'm, I'm sorry, but <laughs> March twenty seventh. I'm looking at the three and the twenty seventh. Twenty seventh, and see, I told you, I'm all over the place. Uh, Mariah Carey and and Quentin Tarantino. Very cool. And the twenty eighth is Lady Gaga. Congratulations on everything, Lady Gaga. And on the 30th is Eric Clapton, who I saw when I was in high school. I saw him in person. Oh, wow. um, um, MC Hammer. <laughs> Too legit to quit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 31 is Al Gore. Keep working on the planet, Al Gore. And Cesar Chavez. And mm-hmm. then on the April 2nd is Marvin Gaye. Happy birthday to all those people. Yeah, I actually heard that recently um, there either is going to be out, coming out or just came out a lost album by Marvin Gaye, like somewhere Ooh. in the early 70s. They're, they're going to release something that he recorded and never uh, never saw the light awesome. of day anywhere. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah. yeah. So uh, in the news, that black woman who took over that uh, from that insane Alabama editor (laughs) when he wrote that editorial that the KKK should go to Washington and lynch everybody Um, and then Alicia Alicia R. Dexter yes she quit (laughs) yeah that was a bummer that was like well you know it was real she was like I need to have my life and this isn't working yeah Yeah, well the guy the the editor who, who supposedly left didn't really leave that yeah, I, well, he owned the newspaper, so I kind of saw this coming. Yeah, he the newspaper. I didn't know what was going to happen, but what seemed to be happening was that he was actually putting out alternative versions. Like he, oh he took out one headline and added something else, and was like emailing extra, extra extra news compared to what she was putting yeah. in there based on. It was very. It was fucked up. Well, it was fucked up, and the first thing she should have done was change the passwords. That's the problem. <laughs> he still had passwords to everything, and so he went in and changed it. Well, put in different articles. But you know, though, I I found it interesting reading about that too, is because it was called the Democrat, the Democrat Reporter, and it was a family-owned newspaper for generations. And if you stop and think about it, in the South, the Democrats were the party of the Confederacy. Yeah, so yeah, it definitely uh, switched like 150 after 150 years ago. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this was in generations 
uh, this yeah. newspaper. But so. it also sounds like this guy is 80 years old, and just from his behavior, I think there's a little bit of dementia going on it with yeah. him. Because, yeah. you know, he's, yeah. But I, I no. understand why she stepped down, and it's, she, it's a sad she day. That. She mentioned that. And she said, something's not right here. Go. Well, I just I wanted to mention that news because, um, you know, we we see successes and we see failures and quote unquote failures. And sometimes we just um, don't comment any further about it. And things change and things. I just like to keep up on the news and remember yeah. that even though we think that something's done and we had a little victory, it's good to know that we need to keep moving and yeah. support people when, you know, they take a stand on something and then it gets it becomes a challenge um yeah she lasts you know. it's like almost like the the trump administration over there yeah <laughs> yeah george conway is um he put out a tweet saying he's getting even worse this is like kellyanne's that. husband right yeah, kellyanne's husband so the fact that Everybody knew who he was talking about without even saying Donald Trump <laughs> was really something. Because the thing is, is that Trump went in his Twitter storm, um, who and he was. It, it had to do with first of all, it had to do with uh, what happened in New Zealand and this terrible thing, this massacre of people, and somebody tried to get Trump to comment about the rise of um, white supremacists. And Trump just turned around and said, oh, I don't think that's true. It's just a small group and they have a lot of problems. And, and they couldn't get him to say anything bad about white supremacists. And so... Well, why would he say anything bad about it? He is one. Yeah, so right. anyway, that, though George Conway was, was tweeting about that. Too, about these ridiculous things that uh, Trump is going on about, and um, and and he's going on about Saturday Night Live, like that's something that's important. So, you know, I just it's getting worse and worse, and I'm upset about it. Um. So yeah, and I I think it's actually interesting that George Conway puts it out there, and Kelly ended. I don't. I mean, I don't care about this particular marriage but it, it is an, a point of interest <laughs> that um, they're like very much on opposite sides of things I don't know how they deal with that but it's well I think it's probably because well I, I'm not going to say because I have no idea but I, I'm just thinking all of it's bullshit anyway mm -hmm. maybe yeah and, and it could it could be um, you know Kellyanne Conway what she says and what she actually thinks and believes could be completely different things. Yeah, that, you're right. That <laughs> could be true. But uh, but it's good to hear conservatives speaking out because it's rare. And it's getting a little less rare, but still. Oh, know. we need we need the people in the Senate to come to this conclusion because <laughs> that, that would be the important... Those would be the people whose minds need to be changed. It's the people mm -hmm. in the Senate, yeah, yeah. The, the Republicans in the Senate. Or McConnell, at yeah. least. I think but also he's though, so far up his ass. I think also though <laughs> the thing the thing that's striking me is that the pressure is on and the pressure is getting worse and worse. And the more pressure there is on Donald Trump, the worse he's getting. 
Yeah, but nobody's doing it. Well, I guess these things all are the wheels of, of politics grind very slowly. I guess that's the that's the takeaway here because it's like our the rest of our existence seems to be moving very fast with like the the insane news cycle and and technology you know every 10 minutes there's something new and bizarre and amazing going out on the market and and we have this instant communication and all of this other stuff and the whole legal process to get shit done is measured in months and years and not in minutes and days and i think that disconnect gives a rise to a lot of frustration in uh, us regular people. Right. And I think some of us are waiting for that one thing that he's going to say or do that's going to cause the great epiphany in the Senate and elsewhere. Yeah. I, I don't know that that's after he's there's been so much right. that he's said that like it's like it, it's actually kind of like it's like Reagan on steroids because well, I, I remember. No, I remember when yeah. Iran-Contra broke, and I'm going, oh, this is worse than Watergate. He's out of here. And it's like, no. <laughs> exactly. That's the thing. Yeah, that's well, not really the thing. I mean, there are people that are there are people that are waking up and making changes, and there are probably, as you say, uh, Wendy, people behind the scenes who might be saying one thing publicly but are more aware of what's actually happening and might, I'm hoping, would do right things if we need if you were in the real crisis and needed help you know um yeah that's hopeful but but i think you know but I, yeah i don't think there's this going to be the one shining moment i think um no you say, you it's know, a it, slow process i thought grabbing by the pussy was like the nail in the coffin <laughs> I know. you know i this is like two that years ago so. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> that's very quaint now right it's like oh yeah <laughs> I, I saw that and go, oh, he's done. It's like, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, so we're laughing now. One of the questions I had about this week is how do, how are we all dealing with the mass shooting news? And in general, it's just, uh, yeah. How do you, what do you, do you think about it? Do you not, do you shut it out? Do you? Well, do, I heard about active? it late. I wasn't, you know, I, I kind of take a day or two usually on the weekends to not engage with the news mm. and i actually i don't even think i got on social media much this weekend um and that was that was due to binge watching tv shows <laughs> and so i wasn't even on and then i get on monday morning and i see people's posts and i'm going oh no what what happened over the weekend and then i found out and it's like you know it's it's almost it's not normalized but it's not and and actually and actually before this i was thinking wow we haven't had a mass shooting in like a month or two that i heard of hmm. and so, when you think that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then and then that happened so it was like i don't know if if that was because maybe i heard it peripherally and it didn't register but it's like, I don't understand why we are, well, I do understand why we are not calling out the white supremacists for who and what they are. Like, I think it's, it's not calling them out on a, on a global, on a, like, there's not politicians doing it. 
you know yeah. we're all doing it we're all pointing see it's another another you know cranky white guy with a, too many guns and deciding that he's going to go take matters into his own hands and and fix things that aren't broken and uh it's i you know i it's all it's there's too much of it and it's it kind of gets you into uh, almost a place of numbness yeah that's yeah bad. that's bad the thing that i was going to say about it is that i tend to i see the news and then i just i sort of choose when i'm ready to engage with it you know, I kind of said, oh, shit, okay, this happened. I, I can't read about it right now, but when I can kind of gather my brain, I'll read about it in a day or so or something like that. And um, it is scary because there's not a lot to to do about it. You know, I just, I definitely been thinking about everyone in New Zealand and now Netherlands also. Um, and really encourage that the in New Zealand, they are going to look at their gun laws like right away. You yeah. know, it's it's an immediate reaction to realizing that okay, this is not we got to change something. You know, I, I think, think they're handling yeah. it much was, better than we do. Yeah, I, yeah. I was very upset that it happened. It was like this was bad, and and even more, it was upsetting that this wasn't even America. I this was someplace else, and I was. I've gotten used to the idea that there's crazy people in America, but I was hoping that people in other places of the world had better sense than Americans. But um, the thing that was inspiring me, though, was how they're dealing with it. Mm -hmm. You know, like like you just said, Robin, that they're immediately they they immediately crack down on the um, automatic weapons and that too that they're not mentioning the guy's name they're not giving him any um publicity that that they mm -hmm. think that one um, well he's getting he's it in the comments sections yeah yeah and 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 it's good that many many communities are showing their respect and um I know that there were synagogues that closed down. If the mosques had to close down, the synagogues were going to close down for that Sabbath also. Um, there were just a lot of uh, multi -commun multiple communities really reaching out, which I thought was really cool. And also, to be fair, I just want to say that um, our House Judiciary Committee is planning a hearing on the rise of white nationalism in the U.S. So that's going to be an awesome. interesting thing. I want to definitely listen to when that's you know, yeah. hear what's, what happens with that. And, and hopefully it's not just a lip service thing, but just the fact that it's being talked about in, you know, real time. It's well, going to be sadly, a thing. A lot of stuff in the House is lip service because the Senate isn't going to do shit. Yeah. And but putting know, forth the, the, the concepts. Yes, I agree. I agree with you. I agree with you. I agree. It's, out loud a, it's a, a really thing. good thing to, to have it, to shine a light on it. Yeah and to, you know, lift the rock up and see the, the creepy crawlies under there. Well, there's a lot of serious stuff in the news all the time. And one of the things that I was finding a bit of comic relief is that we've gotten a couple new uh, name generation possibilities based on the <laughs> news. Like, I, you know, the whole 
thing with Trump calling, um, saying Tim Apple. I thought that was really, instead of Tim Cook Cook was very funny. Um, So, you know, then we have the possibility, okay, like what's your name plus your company's name? And you can come up. So I would be Wendy Moon and Star. Or Wendy Wendy Cards. There you go, Wendy Cards. (laughs) Wendy Wendy Cards. Wendy Wendy Cards. Wendy Moon and Star is very hippie. I like that one. And I guess I could be Robin Minaj, which make would just make me a porn star, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. But um, but I thought that was like just made me laugh. And the fact that he couldn't admit he made a mistake was kind of fascinating to watch those tweets come out. Um, but, you know, name generation, number one. And actually right before that, um, um, Matt, uh, oh, my gosh. Cohen. Name. I can't remember names. Michael Cohen. Michael, Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen's That's testimony where the Michael came from. When he um, mentioned Matthew Calamari, it was very <laughs> funny. And so a lot of people were saying, okay, so your first best friend plus the last Italian food you ate is your, <laughs> name, is your new name. Captain Pizza. What is it? Captain Pizza. There you go. I like that one. <laughs> I think I'd have to be... Um, Maria Mushroom Penny. <laughs> I don't know. But it was just, it's just silliness, and sometimes that helps. Lovely listeners, we love you all, and we'd love to hear from you. So post your comments on our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter and Instagram. And please go to iTunes or wherever you go to get your podcasts and give us a five-star review. We really need those reviews and that would help us out a lot. Thanks a lot. So I am here talking with John Todd. Uh, John is from Fort Wayne, Indiana, and he's got a men's group we want to talk about. And I guess uh, broadly put, we're sort of discussing, exploring, and healing in the realm of masculinity. So welcome. Hey. Nice to talk to you. Um, so you, what you call, you, it's, called, it's a men's discussion group. You call it a men's group, just kind of keep it sort of open in terms of how you describe your group, I suppose? So far, Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And um, I'm curious, I, I really want to know more about that, but I'm just curious first about how you think about masculinity as a overall thing. Well, <clears throat> it seems to me like masculinity exists on a spectrum. And one of the things I've observed is that different people express masculinity in different ways. Does that make sense? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And um, what is it about being a man in this time, in this culture that calls for um, for gathering and working on issues together? You know? Boy, that's a good question. Um, I have seen this phenomena or... Um, trend happening all over the place. Um, I have a theory 
um, I started this with one friend basically to have a, a venue to talk about things that were relatable specifically to men. Um, I don't know how much of that you want me to go into. Yeah, I, w- I want to hear a lot more about it. Like, you know, you, you sort of were very general about gender, but I think there there must be something in it that you want to get at that um, about people who are socialized as men or to become men, I suppose, that is unique and that needs to be addressed, you know. Well, just we can come back to this, but one thing I recognize and I'm learning to be very deliberate in my language about is that you don't have to be a man or born male to express masculinity. Mm-hmm. Um, that might seem really obvious to some people, but it it's it's not obvious to everyone. For some people, masculinity is like a a character they're playing. Maybe they were mm-hmm. taught that when they were little, and maybe that's how they what they thought they should be based on literature. Or, television you know we all learn who we're supposed to be from tv right right (laughs) Um, so let's see a friend of mine and i were doing a a book club kind of together uh, four or five years ago and i read and then suggested to him and we ended up reading together a book called no more mr nice guy and it was one of probably a billion self-help books. Um, But the basic thrust of it was that a lot of men have created a role in their lives which resembles their mother, and then they kind of put every woman in their life into that role. And this is a problem. And this is is the cause of a variety of of weird symptoms that bother people and cause problems in their lives. And men need to figure out a, how to stop treating women like their mothers and B more importantly, figure out how to do emotional heavy lifting with one another because it's a skill group that men have been robbed of. Mm -hmm. Um, We treat our boy children way, way different from how we treat our girl children. Um, I think this is less true nowadays, but when I was a kid, boys were taught, you know, basically don't express yourself, don't have feelings. Um, And even more so, don't share those with other people because that's weakness. Um, Yeah. Tell me more about how you think... um, people the men treat their women in their lives as their mothers like expecting them to mother them or they they see the traits that their mother had and they project that onto people other women boy that could be true and i've certainly like caught myself seeing aspects of qualities i admire in my mother in the type of women that i've partnered with and that's really easy we could make a whole book of freudian jokes about that probably for everyone. Um, No, it's, it's, it's different from that. It's um, before I'd ever heard the term emotional labor. um, 
I started thinking about this thing and I think emotional labor fits the bill. Like men expect because of their training, because of their cultural conditioning, the women in their lives to do emotional labor in a variety of areas in their life because they're accustomed to their mother doing that thing for them. The thing, thing that I noticed is groups of people I'm general. I'm going to generalize here, but groups of people who are raised as women have cultural availability of one another. They can get together in groups and have an ease in comparing notes, expressing themselves, feeling heard, problem solving, that sort of stuff. And it's, it's an arena that men have been forbidden to enter. We are supposed to be on our own, doing everything ourselves, good at everything, uh, jack of all trades. Um, the, the, the myth of the rugged individualistic American male who can fix everything and build everything and hunt and earn a living and pay for everything um, says, don't ask for help. Don't, don't appear weak in front of each other. Don't talk about your problems. Don't be upset. Don't have feelings in front of each other. And I just thought, well, that seems, that seems absurd that women are allowed to be real in front of each other and men can't. I want to break this. So we started this initially with a group of guys. I called everybody I knew who was free on Wednesdays. We did it every Wednesday. We would just either go for a skate or a bike ride or a walk or when it was cold, sit in the living room and talk. And we made every, every Wednesday an opportunity to have, and this is the way I stated it, the, a conversation in um, a very specific safe container where men can talk about issues that, that affect their lives, um, their experiences, and things that are unique to being a man. And since then, I've kind of kicked even that door open and said, you know, I think eventually we should be taking this tool out and and having it be um, not just a man's, not just a masculine space, not just a man only space. We haven't gotten to that point yet um, because I think we're still learning a lot, even though we're a few years deep into this. Mm -hmm. Um, So what happened is it seems like I invited some really extraordinary people and each of them brought different tools Um, I also discovered Brene Brown at the time and we started digging into the value of appearing vulnerable in front of one another, the value of expressing fully, um, of stating really clearly the things that you're afraid of, um, the things you're worried about and just doing absolutely the opposite of our masculine cultural training in front of each other and building that container to where people can feel safe to talk about anything. And it was interesting. It took months to get just to that first point where that sort of conversation level could happen. And when it did, it was like that co-elevation thing where like, Oh, I see you doing that. I want to do that too. And all of a sudden, I mean, we had tears and hugs and like the, 
the empathy level in the room went up 500%. And that became wow. kind of the standard. Like we started setting rules like, okay, so if you come to this group, the thing you could talk about whatever you want, but please, if you could have a conversation on a bar stool at a tavern with a complete stranger about the topic, don't have that conversation here. That's available at the bar stool at the tavern. Don't tell me how much work sucks. Don't tell me how tired you are. Don't tell, you know, let's talk about what's real. Like, let's like, we came up with a phrase, which is what's the last thing you want, you really want to talk about? Like, what's the, uh. you <laughs> that's what we should probably be talking about. Right. Right. Um, so it's been remarkable. Um, it's taken a lot of work. Um, bringing new people into the group is always weird because a new person finds this, this circle of extremely vulnerable empathic men a little intimidating because they've never run into that before. Mm-hmm. And bringing a new person into the group also breaks the container of intimacy that's already been created in that group. And now there's an outsider. So there's always kind of like a, it's almost like a tribal, uh, what's the right word? Like a, like a grace period. Is this person mm-hmm. going to keep showing up? Are they going to show up as fully as we are? Can we inspire them to join us at this level? Um, does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense, actually. Um, I was wondering about how you could make an invitation like that to people. Were you relatively certain that the men that you invited are were sort of ready to be more vulnerable and to talk more honestly, or was it just a sort of winging it and see if it, see who gravitated toward it? Well, it, admittedly, the, I handpicked the first group of people from the people who I already knew could show up for that level of conversation. Okay. Going forward, it was more like, um, and I've kind of developed an elevator speech around it. It was like, hey, um, I'm involved in a men's group. And here's the sorts of things that we talk about. It's, it's very vulnerable. It's very um, empathic. It's an opportunity to speak and to be heard. Um, nobody is going to step up and say, hey, I know the solution to your problem because we're not here to fix things. We're just here to, to grow and learn from each other and kind of share, maybe share some of our experiences in our toolbox. Uh, how does that sound? And I would say about eight to 10 out of people people that I was brave enough to have that conversation with have said, no, that's, that's, that that's probably not for me, but the ones it's, it's, it's so weird. The ones people either take a step back cause that's a really uncomfortable idea or they take a step closer cause they're excited by the idea. Um, and I don't want anybody there who doesn't want to be there. In fact, we've had a, a rule since the first meeting is, if you don't want to be here, if you need to be doing something else and you've mistakenly prioritized this and your head is somewhere else, go do the something else. Like, don't feel like you have to be here. If you've got other things that on your mind, if you've got other things going on and you can't show up fully, don't. Take a break. Go do the other thing, whatever the other thing is. Mm-hmm. So no pressure, you know. Nice. So how does this help the world at large? What, what, what gets better when men can learn to do this? Well, I have experienced this 
megaphone that we all have pointed at, at the world called Facebook, where we rant about social issues that are very important to us in an effort to yell at 10,000 or a million people at once. I don't think issues of equality or understanding or rights or privileges or any any sort of growth or gain or improvement in our perspective is going to be had with a megaphone. I think it's going to be had one conversation at a time with individuals. And that's a slow way to grow. But I really believe like if I talk to one person and influence that person, the next 10 people they talk to are going to be influenced and it, it, it's not, it's not effective. Like it's not, uh, it's not broadly effective, but I'm not, I'm not McDonald's. You know, I'm not, I don't need really <laughs> customers. I'm trying to, I'm trying to make an impact on a small group of people. And the interesting thing is the people who have moved away have had experiences in men's group in, in different cities because they exist everywhere. There are mm. dozens in, in most major cities. Um, and these guys are showing up for these men's groups and people are ready for like a complete green bean to show up and they show up with like incredible tool sets and vulnerability. And they're like, Holy shit, you're already, somebody already trained you. Come on in. (laughs) And there's also, there's a national program or international program called the mankind project project. You may have heard of them. Yes, I'd love, I'm curious to hear about them. They've been around since the 60s. I've been tiptoeing on the edges of them, and I don't want to say anything negative about them because I really haven't attended their meetings. Um, but I think they're kind of up to the same thing. But um, they have some really good stuff, and then they have some stuff that makes me really uncomfortable. Um, they do things like they use a talking stick. Are you familiar with that practice? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's something I'm very used to, like in pagan circles and other types of situations where you want to give people the floor and, and really actively listen. Well, the thing, the other thing that I have heard, and this is anecdotal, I haven't attended one, is they they have problems with rank and leadership and history and who's in charge and who's running things and who's going to plan what, who's going to listen to who, and it's like this kind of gross male competition dynamic energy. Mm. That's the part that I'm like, Ooh, I don't know if I want to deal with that. Like, okay. Is the talking stick a problem? Is that what you're getting at? Or no, the I'm curious. It's a great piece. Like, Oh, oh okay. I like those. Yeah. That's why I was wondering. Who's holding the stick. That's whose turn it is. Shut, everybody else shut up. You'll get a turn in a minute. You know, okay. it's hard when you have a group of people. I think if you have eight people or more, it's really hard to maintain order enough to to not interrupt each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as you grow, um, how are you thinking about incorporating other genders? Um, you know, are you thinking about people who were socialized male that no longer identifies male or non-binary folks or how are you sort of thinking about that? Our criteria so far has been anyone who is interested in seeing what happens in a men's group would be welcome to come and sit in and participate. 
Hmm. That's cool. That's and we cool. have had a woman come twice. Mm -hmm. Nice. And there's a um, other woman who just expressed interest. And it's funny because she said, I want to come and see. And she's like, oh, crap, I really shouldn't. I can't be there, can I? And I'm like, we've had guests. For sure you could come. Does it change the dynamic of what's going to happen there? Yes, of course, a little bit. But it's also an extraordinary group of people. Mm -hmm. They'll laugh about it, and then they'll go about their business. They're <laughs> in, in the conversation. So. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it's something that I would be curious about in terms of um, having a place to express the parts of me that are masculine without um, without feeling um, as if it were a joke or not really not recognized or something. You know, there's a lot of sort of, uh, well, people don't really understand non-binary or gender fluidity very well yet. It's, we're getting there, but it's, we're, we're, we're at the beginnings of understanding it, you know? Mm -hmm. So I would be curious to know what that space would feel like. So that's, that's cool. I think you should. Um, I, I would bet that any men's group, men's group worth its snot would, would make room for you. Well, okay. That's good to know. I was, yeah. I mean, I guess I'm sure everyone's different, but it's something to, to well, think about. I take that back. Um, there are some men's groups that might not. Um, sure. I've had to have this disclaimer a few times. There are uh, men's rights activist groups. That was going to be my next question. And they are not the same as us. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So that's my that's my next question. Like I was going to say that some people would just automatically be wary when they hear there's a men's group because when when there's a gathering of like what people consider like the dominant a dominant figure in culture. Like if it's like white men just getting together, what is that? What is that going to be? What's going to happen? You know, or something like that. You know. So uh, obviously, yeah, I'm aware that there are the men's rights organizations and the incels and people like that. And so what, I guess my question is, what, what do you think they are emphasizing about being a man and how, I, I obviously know it's different than what you're doing, but I'm curious to hear what you tell people about the, that kind of. Well, that's hard to say. From the outside, I can see defensiveness and insecurity. It, the, the incel groups are an interesting mirror. Um, I can see from uh, from a place of fear and insecurity and discomfort, um, why they do what they do. Um, it's really challenging for me to make 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 fun of them because I, I I kind of feel sorry for them. Uh, right. They're and they are most they're often engaged in how to how to quote unquote get women or how to uh, dominate women or things like that right i mean you might know more than i do even about honestly it's a weird internet and that's really my almost my only engagement with incels or, or or basically groups that i think are reinforcing white male privilege okay um, i had a friend right. who's sort of going that direction um saying he was going to swear off of women in relationships. He had a good year of 
hardship and anger in relationships and was like, no more, I'm not dating anymore, I'm out, I'm just going to be a monk. And I don't know if that was related to the incel movement or if he was just moping. Um, Sometimes that, that could just sound like temporary pain, you know, but yeah. but you never know what it turns into, I guess. He bitched for about six or seven months and then he met somebody and they've been fine. So I, I <laughs> know what it sucks to be alone and it sucks to be mistreated in relationships. And Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I think you, I, I, I get your point, though, that I think that groups like that are reinforcing what they think, what they've been taught they're supposed to be as opposed to breaking that down, which sounds almost like opposite of what you're I think working so. on. Our group is also not all white and it's somewhat queer, so. Mm -hmm. That's good. And yeah, I wasn't making an assumption about that. I was just saying that um, it could be an assumption that's made about what a men's group is from the outside without knowing anything, you know? Yeah. So that's very cool. Um, so if someone wants to organize something like this in their town, I mean, would you, would you say just look for them in the cities where they are or just sort of reach out to friends or what, what's your advice about that? Well, in bigger cities, I've seen that there, there are a lot of uh, meetup groups around this. Um, the, the Mankind Project exists in every major city. You know, I still haven't taken the dive to go and get to know them. Um, I probably should. Um, I had one of their members come and a friend of mine who's a, a Mankind Project guy come and stay in our, come and come to our group. And he was, he was really impressed with what we were working on. And he said, you know, we have like a core textbook that we work out of that's been de was developed again and again and again since the 60s you guys are just doing this on your own like you're literally coming up with the same kind of stuff that's in my textbook and you're doing it on your own and i said well you know i mean if you get a group of men together they're probably going to do the same thing a hundred times we have the same complaints and the same insecurities and the same doubts and the same fears and things are going to tend in particular directions. I'm not surprised. Um, I'm, I'm, the biggest problem for me with our group is my, uh, I have some imposter syndrome around leading anything. Yeah. And I, I try not to be like, I don't want a cult of personality around this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, to its credit, when I've gone on vacation or left or been unavailable, they still have group meetings. So. That's good. <laughs> I understand that, that kind of fear, for sure. Um, anything else you want to offer as resources or things that people can check out or, on their journey? Not really. Um, I guess, you know, there's a number of things. Um, the original book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, was helpful just because the one thing it underscored was form, learn to form better connections with the men in your life that you already know as a, like a, a, a baseline for how to become 
more emotionally available with other men, how to become more vulnerable, how to um, do your own emotional heavy lifting. Um, the works of Brene Brown, absolutely phenomenal stuff. In, in anywhere you want to butter your toast with that one, she's astonishing. It fits in business, school, relationships, so all all levels. Um, and is this the person who did the TED talk about vulnerability? Is that who we're thinking of? Okay, that's what I thought. I was sure. all her books too, and it, it's interesting. You don't have to read all her books. Mm-hmm. If you read her latest book. It's just the refined version of her theory that she started 19 years ago. And each one is like, hey, here's vulnerability in this corner of my life. And this is like, a, at this point, 48-year-old Texas Catholic mom who came up with this stuff. I don't know if you've read any of her stuff. No, I just, I'm aware of her, but I'm just, yeah, someone I should learn more, more about also. The TED Talk is good. The books are like holy shit, this applies to so many places in my life. Like one of those aha moments. Um, Mm -hmm. She's big on teaching empathy and she's big. uh, Like one of the things she said is like, learn how to problem solve from someone you disagree with. You know, shit like that. Like Mm. uh, things that like, you know, you're not going to like it, but it's still going to have value. Right. Um, That piece, um, I don't know. Have have conversations. Have conversations. Like think about everybody you know and care about that might find it appealing. I mean, incidentally, I've seen women's groups forming too on, under almost the same auspice. I sat in a coffee a coffee shop a couple weeks ago, and I was just eavesdropping because I'm a jerk on the people <laughs> at the table, and they were literally putting together a group to get together and like problem solve. How do I find a, a date? How do I arrange childcare? What are all, and it was like all moms. And I was like, awesome. Sweet. Yeah. That's fantastic. I couldn't, you know. Yeah, whatever is needed, people can create it, you know? So that's a good, that's a good thing to know. I hope we haven't forgotten that. I, I feel like I went a good decade forgetting that we could get together in groups and talk about shit if we wanted to. friendship takes some maintenance and extra like extracurricular stuff like this takes like even more maintenance you run some groups right I do and sometimes I well put it this way I'm assessing which ones I want to be in charge of anymore. There are things I want to continue to happen, but I don't necessarily have to be the one to be at the head of it. So it's, I'm, I'm reassessing a lot of those things, <laughs> but I've done a lot of organizing in the past. Sure. Doesn't it suck when you're like the most excited person, you know, like, Hey, who wants to come to the thing? Hey, here's the date. And hey, come on out and like crickets. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's the, the organizer burnout kind of thing, which you have to figure out. That's probably another whole discussion but um but yeah i mean i think as long as it feels good and it feels powerful and yeah i think i think i do want to feel like people are giving back to you know or at least someone else is 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 being part of creating and cultivating it well i did it all myself and got totally burned out and then i remembered that i could ask for help from the people who are in the group Mm mm-hmm 
that is the thing. That's if there's any parting message, I think remember it's okay to ask for help and yeah, to reach out. For guys to ask for help, Jim. Yeah. I'm I'm generalizing, but then it's a trope for a reason. Like, you know. <laughs> right. Ah. <laughs> uh. Well, we should wrap up, but I am very pleased to have had you on this show, and uh, thanks for talking with me, and thanks for listening. I know you've listened to us before, too, and that's really awesome. I love the show. Hello, this is Robin Renee. You can find me online at robinrenee.com. And my music is on iTunes, CD Baby, Pandora, Spotify, and elsewhere around the web. So check it out. And you can like me at facebook.com slash Robin Renee Fan. Tweet at me at Spirit Rock Sexy. And follow me on Instagram at Robin Renee Music. I would love to hear from you. The Leftscape is sponsored by Harlequin and Other Fantasies, a meditative coloring book for grown-ups. Over 30 original illustrations to color, printed on 80-pound cover stock paper to avoid bleed-through with alcohol-based markers like Sharpies. Spiral-bound to lay flat when open. Printed on one side so you can frame your masterpiece without sacrificing another drawing. Subjects include animals, people, mandalas, steampunk, Celtic knotwork, and so much more. Use Leftscape at checkout to get free shipping. See the Leftscape website for details. Purchase Harlequin and other fantasies from wendycards.com. This is the last episode in in March, so we're going to wrap up Women's History Month and and talk a little bit about some leaders and scientists who also happen to be women um, that we admire. I don't know who wants to go first. Well, I (laughs) admire Eleanor Roosevelt because uh, not only did she deal with um, a wacky family, and if I don't know, she had a very sad life. You know what? Watch Ken Burns, The Roosevelt, and you'll get the whole story there. Although it's not entirely the whole story because there's something I don't want to. I don't want to say something bad. I'll say some, it. <laughs> some sources that talk about her relationship with her best friend was more than just a friendship. So mm-hmm. that she she had a bit of fluidity to her sexuality so okay that's not a bad thing i would no, hope. no 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 not that it's a bad thing it's just and that it's, i i don't know how substantiated the claim was well i it would make sense that she would have her own extra marital relationship because her husband certainly did and that's been documented so you know why not and the fact that it was with a woman, why not? You know? But, though, the other thing, too, though, that I really admire her the most for was her work with the UN and uh, human rights, international human rights. But she, she was the one who organized that and the whole list of human rights that we go by today. That was her work. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you. 
Well, I have a, a couple of scientists that I'd like to talk about, and and one engineer. And uh, I'll start with her first. I admire Wendy Carlos, who is an engineer and a, and a, a musician who pioneered a lot of electronic music. And she did, she got famous under her dead name, Walter, and, uh, and then at some point in her life she transitioned and um, and I think actually they released all of her old albums under her new name like now uh, you know her I think her most famous album is switched on Bach and oh, okay yeah and it was used in uh, the soundtrack to a clockwork orange <laughs> for example right, right. that's cool I, I wasn't sure who you were talking about first, and I'm like, okay. Yeah, I know. I, I'm <laughs> being really coy about this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice. Um, you know, but transgender women are women, so hey, she's now she's in the women camp. So, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so that's one of them. Um, I also want to mention um, a scientist, Stephanie Qualek, who I discovered working on the textbook that uh, I was working on over the winter. Uh, she uh, was a scientist at DuPont, and she invented Kevlar. And um, I thought that was very cool, and stuff that, you know, we didn't learn in school at all. <laughs> we didn't, you know, the only woman scientist we learned about at school was like Mary Curie, and that's pretty much it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, well, oh yeah, her. But, um, and then I also want to give a shout out to... Uh, one of my daughter's friends, uh, Julia V, who, um, when I get up the nerve to start interviewing people, she's on my list. And uh, she has a, an Instagram called Couch Microscopy. And she's gotten some pretty internet, she's gotten internet famous for her, uh, for posting pictures of little microbes that she takes pictures of uh with her her little her home microscope and uh and it's really fascinating she says really great pictures and uh and she she studies all of these little guys um and i think this all started because she was um housebound from some chronic illness that i'm not sure where she is in in that whole thing but i know she had to stay home for a while and i guess that's when she started doing this um, and I know she was studying marine biology at one point. So that's fascinating. I would I would love to follow that account and see what she's doing. Yeah, she has some cool pictures up there every day. So it's that's something to do. What was the name of her account again? Couch microscopy. Oh, that makes sense. At first, I thought she was exploring microbes that could be found in one's couch. <laughs> <laughs> no, she's taking the pictures from her couch. That's pretty cool. <laughs> nice. Um, so I really wanted to talk about Brenda Howard. And a lot of people don't know her as she was the mother of pride. And she was an American bisexual rights activist, sex positive feminist, polyamorist, and BDSM practitioner so she was an advocate for all of those things um, she is one of the main organizers and really actually um, well she she was one of the main people who organized the Christopher Street Liberation Day March which was the first 
march that commemorated the Stonewall riots. Oh, wow. And really was uh, the primary organizer for that and also originated the idea of like a week-long series of events around Pride Day, which, you know, really has grown into what we have today um, at the end like of June. Pride Month. For Pride, <laughs> yeah, and we've got Pride <laughs> Month. <laughs> but And New York still does like a whole week of things leading up to their Pride Parade, so it sort of keeps that tradition in a lot of ways. And um, so, yeah, she really did a lot in uh, to organize and continued um, helped found the New York area bisexual network and just stayed active. Uh, she passed away in 2005, but was an activist all the way through. Um, she worked on the March, uh, March in Washington in 93, and there's just a lot of things, but um, it's just nice to remember her as the mother of pride, which um, when we march with, when I sometimes march with New York area bisexual network, and we always carry a banner that reminds people of her. Awesome. Um, yeah, so that was one person I wanted to talk about. And we also, I just was thinking about Stonewall as well, and I wanted to point out uh, two very significant trans women. And, you know, Stonewall does get whitewashed in a lot of ways, um, and the LGBT movement in general, but I wanted to just call out Marsha P. Washington, who is a, was a black trans woman who was supposedly one of the first people to really uh, fight back. So uh, Marsha P. Washington was in the Stonewall on June 28th, 1969. She was celebrating her 25th birthday and was one of the first people to really fight back. And also, I just wanted to give a shout out to Sylvia Rivera, who um, was another, I guess at the time, identified as a drag queen and eventually identified as a woman and um, transitioned. And she was uh, one of the first people, I believe, to show up at the Stonewall and, you know, outside when things really started getting going as like the riot became and sort of the fulcrum of um, the LGBT movement, the new movement at the time and sort of um, was one of the first people to start throwing things and, and cause, <laughs> cause a problem, but a problem that was much uh, needed uh, to start to start a revolution, honestly. Um, so she was just an outspoken, another outspoken activist all her life as well. And I just um, want to remember them both and Brenda Howard also. Been listening to the Leftscape podcast. Find us online at leftscape.com, on Twitter at Leftscape, and on Facebook at Leftscape. The Leftscape, the shape of progressive conversation. New episodes every Wednesday.